and Brit. Brad and Brit, the perfect combination of brawn and wit. Politics, sports, and trending shit. Let's tune in to Brad and Brit. This is the Brad and Brit cast. We're, uh, we're glad you're with us here this afternoon or this evening or this morning, whenever you hear us. We're live in the 1.30 p.m. Eastern hour. Uh, this is uh, stamped Wednesday. Wednesday. All right. For the um, next 45 minutes, nothing but talk about Russell Westbrook opting in and being a Laker at $45 million next year. Do you think yeah. it's good for oh. – Yeah, I, I think that's just a win for everybody. I'm happy about it. I didn't even hear about it because, you know, I'm uh, I'm in and out on, on paying attention, to, but I'll, I'll catch up on that. I, sure. I kind of like that. It's going to be a revival. It's going to be should a revival. Let's <laughs> yeah. put them over the top. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll I'll just throw out some, some topic items related to the testimony yesterday on Tuesday by, by Ms. Cassidy uh, Hutchinson since we don't really need to go over the, the story because everybody knows the story. I hope uh, here we go. Rudy's drinking again. The cell phone stupidity in Cassidy attack. There's wow. one. Um, let's see. Uh, Uber secret service drivers give Don a five-star rating. Yeah. <laughs> um, or... Let's see. Uh, from the Washington Examiner through Fox News to the New Yorker. If this doesn't finish Trump, what the fuck will? Okay. Yeah. We uh, we made a decision yesterday as we started to watch the testimony. You know, it was almost time for us to record. And we quickly realized anything that we said would be obsolete by the time it left our mouths and got to a microphone, right? Based on what she was saying, because the stuff that she was putting out early on made you realize this was, this was kind of a game changing situation as she was talking. Well, and the sad thing is that here, uh, 24 hours later, everything we say is still going to suck. <laughs> well, it, it's fluid it suck because, you know, <laughs> we didn't have um, the ability to see everything associated with the story it'll just be our standard suck okay let's, yeah. let's do the yeah. uh let's do the secret service story because there is a little bit of movement in that one uh miss hutchinson yesterday i everyone knows what happened donald trump throwing a fit when he found out he wasn't going to be able to go to the capitol and then trying to grab Brit, the steering Brit, wheel Brit, Brit, could you say it correctly the capitol yeah. He, he did. He did do the Jerry Lewis they, they, thing. I was so happy to see they used that part of the clip <laughs> for when he made his speech where he goes full Jerry Lewis. The Capitol! Schmelding! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was so, uh, yeah, they, he, had, he had been, according to Miss Hutchinson, he had been, at least in his mind, Donald John Trump Sr. thought he was going to the Capitol to be with his people. When he got into the presidential limo, the beast, he was told by, but in no uncertain times, by Secret Service, it, it ain't going to happen. We don't have the assets. It's not safe for you. And he he exploded in rage. All right. uh, and all, and you know the rest. I think everyone's well, aware can, of the rest can, of it. Can I just jump in? And I, I, I hate to do this to you, Britt, but you're just so factually wrong about a couple of the things that you said. Yeah. Because you use language that she said. That, remember. She was relaying what was yes. told to her, okay? So that already there needs to be one degree of separation, okay? And number two, the car, 
was not the beast. Oh, she, she testified that it was, though. All right, but it was not that car. Ooh. There's another, there is another car. There's another black uh, suburban or whatever the fuck it is. Well, there goes her and, credibility right there. And so, but wait, just let me finish. <laughs> and the Trumpers, I guess you're a Trumper, you jumped on that immediately. No. Okay. And it turns out that it was this other car, another car that is less um, outfitted with the kind of security shit you know, that would make it nearly impossible, which is what the Trumpers were saying. He couldn't have done it. You can't reach through on the beast. But, well, it turns out it wasn't even that car. The other car is closer to a more conventional uh. setup. So that, that one got blown up in, in two seconds. But uh, I think, again, and Britt, I swear to God, let's not do 25 minutes on this because it's playing right into what they want. Okay. Please, please don't just keep keep piling on this. The point is, nobody denies that Trump was going out of his fucking mind in that car. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and the details related to Cassidy by the uh, deputy chief of st- whoever was sitting in that front seat. Okay. Supposedly it was Bob, Bob, Bobby Engel. I think was the service right. agent. Um, um, if the detail of him trying to kill and choke and take the wheel is not accurate if it is wrong it is absolutely on the scale of one to ten a minus point three in terms of the that's importance true. of what was said that's accurate and if you allow yourself to go all the way down the rabbit hole with this well she lied about that which she didn't lie about it she may not have had all the facts she may have said it incorrect. If she did that wrong, then everything else is bullshit, too. Trump should get in. Let's vote for him. He ought to be the next president. It's proof. They're just after. You can't go there, Britt. Please stop. No, I, w- I wouldn't. Uh, the only the only thing that I would say in terms of that is that immediately there were a number of se- – all the Secret Service is willing to go on the record and testify that she was – and yeah. now oh. – and now, not so much. Now it's they're not going to really go on the record. Uh, they can't really do that. So I, I part of me feels like the Secret Service is is still in some way, shape, or form trying to cover for this asshole. But Rick, yes. you got to read what's on the screen. You got to read what's I, on the screen. I, I, I did because I. Well, I'm the one who actually put it there. So yes, I do know what's on the screen. He was obviously just trying to turn the wheel to enter McDonald's, says John, okay. and, he, and he's right. He's correct. that's wrong it was a wendy's it was a wendy's yeah you know it was a wendy's your credibility shot this you know again and and i think you're right about this uh it's a it's a nice piece of color uh she was relaying what she thought to be true i don't think in any way shape or form you can say that she was lying uh and that and the thing with the 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 plate of food going against the wall and ketchup dripping down again just little pieces of color that are irrelevant to the most important parts of what she said. Except in the case of the plate against the the wall, she said she was wiping the catch. So that's not someone told her the story. No, she was first. You'll notice there's no one from Big Plate ready to deny. uh, That's the lobbying group for uh, the China and uh, uh, um, um, that's Replacements Limited's uh, uh, lobbying group, right? Big plate, uh, <laughs> big plate, big dish, <laughs> right? Big dish. Uh, but you know, my first thought is this: some of that fantastic China 
that Nancy Reagan re-outfitted the White House with. Remember when the Reagans moved in and they decided that the Carters had turned it into like the Beverly Hillbillies? Uh, everything had to be, she spent like a zillion dollars on, on shit like China and, and, and new decorations and, and the walls. So Donald Trump may have destroyed a piece of the Reagan legacy right there. Um, that, that one, you know, no, no one's going to argue against that. And, and Hey, guess what? You got a problem with anything. She said, anybody that was just the phone lines are open. The phone <laughs> lines are open. I was so hoping at the end when uh, Benny Thompson looked straight into the camera and said, if your memory has improved recently, or if you've grown a conscience or things have just become a little bit more clearly uh, uh, obvious to you, you, you can, you can get in touch with us and you can come here and testify. I was so waiting for a phone number to go flashing up on the yeah. screen, just like every other offer that you see uh, during a telethon or, or, or during anything where they're making a pitch for you to call right now. The phone lines are open. Operators are standing by. Five, five, we want five, your call. Participate. Five, 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 ass, it's five, 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 asshole. Something like yes. that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? Uh, and, and what I was doing while this was on, I was giving myself a haircut. I know it doesn't look very good for folks that can see. No, it's, it's not, not bad. bad. It's not horrible. Yeah, it works. But I thought, you know, that, that's a good thing to do. And I'm so I'm I'm doing that. And when that little moment, and uh, I think Liz Cheney introduced the the clip, and I think she was actually the questioner on this one. I could be wrong about that. In which case, as you know, that would mean I'm a liar. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and they showed the medley of. Some folks taking the fifth, in particular, General Michael Flynn. You're right. And they asked, they could have asked Michael Flynn on a nice day in Florida, is the sky blue? And he would have said, I'm taking the fifth. You know, he was not going to answer anything. Okay. There was nothing he was going to answer. Even, even, and, the, it, like, even Flynn does it in the most obnoxious way possible. He doesn't say it like the normal way, like, on advice of my counsel, I'm exercising. No, he goes, fifth, fifth. Pretty, pretty soon, like, like I swear, they're just going to hold up a thing that says five on it, like on Dancing with the Stars, where they rate you, okay? <laughs> Do you ever see the Dave Chappelle thing where he's taking the thing, he goes, one, two, three, four, fifth, and he does that? That's what they're going to end up doing. It's like, it's such so, a dickish way. When, when the question became, do you believe in the peaceful transfer of power? And there's this long pause, long pause. That was what his, his attorney goes, we're going to need a minute. And they do the thing where they push the button and they go and they confer on Zoom or whatever. So, so at that point, <laughs> at that point, what are you to think of General Flynn, what he represents, and the fact that you know that he was the uh, first national security advisor for Donald Trump? How long did he last? Like 14 days like before that. he had to, to, to walk away? He but he is... Yeah. Um, we have in our midst, and I hope he's the only one, he probably isn't, um, someone who does not believe in the form of government that we have in the United States, where one president loses an election, 
concedes and the power transfers, if it's the incumbent, to the next person. He does not believe in that. Now, anything short of that, and you have a dictatorship, an autocracy, a thugocracy, a theocracy, uh, anything but a democracy. I know it's a republic. It's not a democracy. Fuck those people. God, I want to just choke them. Don't every you? Time. Yeah. Don't you? Um, but to me, that was chilling. That was true chilling shit. Because think of this. What was the downside of you answering that question? Do you believe in the peaceful transfer of power between administrations? What's the downside of you saying yes? It's usually not a tough question. It's usually not a very hard question. Where, where are you going to get nailed on, on that? Okay, so, um, again, I thought they did a, they did a really great job of, of painting Donald Trump really at the center of this. And uh, when you think about it, and the, uh, the Watergate analogies can be tiresome and tedious, which means I'm about to do one. Here we go. Roll your eyes um, in the back of your head, non-boomers. But um, Nixon did not plan the Watergate burglary. Nixon did not look over the plans, and Nixon didn't get uh, walkie-talkie updates from the plumbers as they broke into the Watergate complex. That's true. They were, okay. they were very careful to keep him a couple arms length from all of that. Exactly. For, you know, uh, and then on the other side of it, of course, he was intimately involved in trying to cover it up and right. deflect blame. And, and, and But in this case, this is much worse than that because it's so clear that Donald Trump, and we can now stop asking forever the eternal question, which was tedious and tiresome when it was being asked because what it was doing was allowing some space for the possibility that it wasn't true that, that you know, Trump, did he really believe that this would work? Did he really know what was going to ha- Remember all those kind of questions that, sure. that you couldn't definitively find define based on the previous uh, testimony, although it was starting to inch closer and closer and closer. Well, this just blows it all out of the water, okay? Because he was, he was in on it. He knew it was going to happen. He did nothing to stop it. Uh, well, but but two days before they had a meeting, and he approved twenty thousand uh, National Guard troops, and Nancy Pelosi said no, so it's Pelosi's fault. Right? No, not going to work. Don't try it. Stop nope. it. Not true. Just it didn't work. And she was in charge of everything. She let it happen. It was her idea. Stop it. Um, and t- t- so to me, that's the the broad takeaway. But then these. Uh, details, some of which are, I don't know, they're, they're, they're out of a cheap novel, okay? And I couldn't decide whether Trump is now moved into being the uh, uh, Tony Montana at the end of Scarface, okay, just completely losing his shit, right, because he knows it's over, or, or uh, is this the uh, most elaborate episode of Columbo ever because if you remember all the Columbo episodes 
they would show you the crime at the beginning of the episode, right? You show you the crime. You you knew who the guilty person was, and the rest of the show was Lieutenant Colombo um, figuring it out and asking really irritating questions that would give him the answers that allowed him to build the case against the perpetrator. And by the end of the episode, usually the, the uh, crook either melted down and confessed, right, or, or, or tried to run away and they caught him. And I, I feel like that's what this is. We know what the crime was. We've seen the crime. Uh, and the criminal was bragging about it. And the criminal was egging it on with this whole cadre of people who thought that this was going to be the future of the United States government at the very top. Donald Trump forever. Donald Trump forever, whatever it takes. And they were all willing to, to uh, sit back and and allow it to happen. And, and uh, the testimony Tuesday, I think, really started to fill in um, the, the, the cracks. You know, it's like when you look at a big map of the United States and they're trying to show you something. Uh, all these states do this, 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 this. And the states start to turn different colors, different colors. And by the end, yeah, you get a perfect map. And I feel like we're, we're getting closer to that, that perfect map. And... Uh, if you have Mark Meadows refusing to testify, if you have in particular the person who really would be the John Dean of this of this story, which is the White House lawyer, the equivalent person to John Dean 50 years ago, Pat Cipollone, who you don't see him very much. He did defend Trump at the uh, second impeachment. I think he was you know, he was one of the guys who did it. But you don't hear or see him that much. But everything that you learned about him on Tuesday lets you know that he knew mm -hmm. that this was trouble, trouble, trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with Trump, <laughs> right? Cipollone is, is a worm, but he's not stupid. And, you know, the testimony was, no matter what happens, you cannot let Donald Trump go to the Capitol because they will throw the book at us. We will get charged with every possible thing coming. That is right. what the testimony but, but said. That is just pathetic. No, that's, that's just pathetic. And it's even more pathetic that he's not talking. And if you look him up, I did yesterday. You know, he's now back at some law firm, big mm. law firm in Washington. You know, they're trial lawyers who, you know. Um, and... I just cannot believe that you would want to hire this guy, knowing now what you know about him, uh, any more than you'd want to hire uh, uh, Mark Martin, the uh, would-be dean of the law school at High Point University, uh, knowing that, that he gave aid and comfort to Trump and thinking that he could pull this off. But I want to bring Mark Martin into it. Sip alone, he, they got to subpoena him. they got to bring him in. He should volunteer on his own. He is an officer of the court. He should do the right thing, unless you want to be categorized along with Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman. Do you want to be? You want to be that trio: Cipollone, Eastman, and Giuliani? No, I wouldn't. That's a, that's a murderer's row, right? Um, and, and, uh, 
Conservative that's... commentator Laura Ingram has credited Cipollone with helping her convert to Catholicism in 2002, Brad. It's his fault. That's important. Uh, I'm glad Mr. we got that in there. <laughs> well, Mr. Cipollone has 10 children, and one of Cipollone's daughters worked as a booker for the Ingram Angle. And as we know, Laura Ingram was sending messages directly to Mark Meadows saying, please do something, make him stop. Uh, I feel like the two most important revelations uh, in the testimony, as we go back, we want to focus on that, was that clearly as the timeline was established, that Team Trump, including including the president himself, was aware in real time that his followers were bringing all sorts of weapons, including brass knuckles, machetes, knives, anything you can imagine. And the president tried to fuck with the magnetometers to get those people right to the Capitol so they'd be able to try to kill or hurt or maim as many people as possible. Well, wait, that you got ahead of yourself there, because the original reason that he wanted the uh, folks who had all these weapons to be able to pass through is because there were so many of them, and he was disappointed that the crowd size did not <laughs> appear sufficient for him, because as you know, what is the most important thing that Donald Trump has ever had to impart Size to? matters. Exactly, exactly, and it wasn't you know, and, and that was impeding the ability of getting enough people up and, you know, you know, Trump must love, he must have loved those Super Bowl halftime shows where it looked like, you know, a person would be on, it could be Prince or Rush Paul the stage. Whatever was, right. And they would, they would have all these extras, crisis actors, I would call them, who would be uh, let loose to run up to the stage so that the performer would, would feel like, they had every person on earth reaching out and wanting to touch them. And that, that's how Trump is. But they were, like they were aware in real time, and he was trying to encourage those people uh, with as few barriers as possible to get to the Capitol so they could inflict as much damage on people. And then the witness, in, the witness intimidation stuff, which came in at the end, which was, you can't really say it was Godfather-esque. It's an insult to the mafia, really. The stuff, yeah. hey, we know you're on Team Trump. We know you're with us. We know, hey, if everything goes right, we're going to take care of you. It was very, I mean, it was very creepy what was going on at the end when they presented that stuff. Now, now we are on a podcast, right? Yeah. We're not really beholden to much. Uh, what are the chances? What, what, what are the chances? And, and you bring this up periodically with other things. And I always, you know, laugh you out of the park. Of course. But I don't really. <laughs> uh, what are the chances that these Secret Service agents are, uh, how should we say it, compromised in their instant defense of Trump over the steering wheel thing? And the, the what, what are the chances of that? I can't understand why they would cover for him. I can't understand in what way, shape or form that they would they would be yeah, doing his bidding. Yeah, because, you know, as the story is told, yeah. as the story is told. The people in the Secret Service look fantastic. They did their job. They did exactly what they were supposed to do, which in this case was to protect the president from himself, okay? which probably isn't part of the uh, training. But they're smart enough and fast enough to to know that uh, they try to keep the guy out of danger, even no matter what they think of him, whether they like him or not. Um, I'm I'm just positing the the uh, completely wild, speculative, irresponsible idea well, that... I mean, that's why they the, the immediate thing was, no, we're going to... We got some people under oath that's going to push back. And then we say, yeah, we can't really go under oath. We have to remain anonymous. But uh, there's significant pushback. Just be aware that there's significant... Why are you doing this asshole's bidding? Why are you guys doing that? 
he attacked one of your own folks. And I understand that you need a certain amount of things shrouded in secrecy to do your jobs, but this, this goes beyond the pale. This guy broke every possible rule, tried to kill democracy, put a lot of you and your officers in jeopardy. And then on top of everything else, while you were trying to do the best thing for him, he, he assaulted one of your guys. But now you're going to continue to, to carry water for this guy. I, I don't get that, Brad. That To me, that, that blows my mind. Um, well, look, you know, we've gone through seven years of we can't believe so-and-so is defending him. We can't believe so-and-so. Yeah bought into this you know uh, how long is it going to take what's it going to take um you know there's a, a an editorial a uh, you know an unsigned editorial in the washington examiner uh today and the washington examiner is basically a right-wing rag they do some actual good reporting they're, they're, they're almost like what fox pretends to be which is they have some good straight reporting right but their editorials are you know their their bend is is very conservative and they they basically said that's it that he's done he's just unfit so unfit for human consumption that's it we're and by the way to be fair they were actually very early back in january of uh, 2021 saying that it was already a disqualifying thing that, that, that this happened for trump so so they haven't been completely um, in, in, in defensive mode for him, but they, they came out and, and so did uh, Fox legal analyst and right wing shill Andrew McCarthy. Right. And McCarthy is usually ready with a with a with an inexcusable defense, just like Jonathan Turley. Um, but Andrew McCarthy, you've seen it. It's, I think it's right at the top of media. Yeah, that's it. This is this is it. There's yeah. nothing left. You got <laughs> nothing. You got nothing, Trump. They, <laughs> you've been exposed. There's nothing left to say. Well, so, he's never, but he's never even heard of this woman, Brad. He doesn't even know who this is. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was a that was a great one. Yeah, <laughs> this person who I've never heard of, I refuse to hire to go to Mar-a-Lago, but I've never heard of her, so I don't know who she is. Right, right. <laughs> and and uh, did you see the very beginning of the uh, coverage? Yeah. On, on Tuesday, I knew when they opened with this schematic google earth view of the white house looking in a kind of a, a three-dimensional look at where the offices were which most of us we have no idea what the white house really looks like i mean most of us they could i i guess because we watch west wing yeah. <laughs> you know what it, but but even on west wing you have no sense of of how close everything is to each other um and her office and is closer to where Donald she Trump was. She was yeah. right there. She was right yeah. there. Right. Her there. office is closer than Meadows was. They're at her, yeah. her, her her physical office right there. They're, they are serious, and that is exactly like a, a an episode of Dateline or Twenty Twenty, yeah. or, or or any other uh, good television. Um, did you like? Would, did, would do did, to, to set it up to set it up on who this person is. Didn't you like the details like afterwards when people are rioting and, and killing and it looks like the Vikings are crossing the Danube and Mark Meadows is just sitting there trying to trying to play Candy Crush or something and she's trying to get his attention. And it's apparently like Jim Jordan's safety that kind of <laughs> – have you heard from Jim? Nah, I'm over here like trying to spank at the Pornhub. What's going on? Well, uh, Jim may be getting attacked with, uh, you know, a few hundred people at the Capitol and then uh, – like Meadows gets up, kind of throws his phones down on us. 
all right, fine. I'll go try to talk to him. <laughs> there's, there's just some, there's some, just some great little granular details in there about about the shit that was going on, about what a what a feckless piece of shit Mark Meadows is. Sure. And, well, uh, th- think of the the screenwriters working overtime right now to try to to nail down the rights, or I don't know who you would get the rights from. I guess anybody can. Oh sit sure. Down start writing a screenplay about what they. Well, you, you would so you would buy like one of you know Bender's book, or you'd buy the rights to Haberman's book, or whatever. That's what you'd grab, I guess, at this point. Yeah, but th- but those don't have this. Yeah, okay? I'm too- talking about I'm talking about because remember, you know, like Woodward and Bernstein, they didn't write the final days no. until it was all all over. They couldn't right. write the final days until it was all over, and and all the president's men came out much much earlier than than that and and all the president's men plays extremely fast and loose with the facts and uh when you when you hear or read what woodward and bernstein were saying when they were first contacted to even have the movie version done they don't want anything to do with it at least woodward didn't and bernstein convinced woodward it's not such a bad idea after all maybe we ought to talk to them they didn't want to talk to robert redford Right and William Goldman, the screen. They didn't, Woodward had, didn't want any part of it, and all these years later, which one of these two gets more TV face time? It's Woodward. He's on more than, than Bernstein. So uh, every everything changed, and, and obviously their their ability to be a yinging and yanging each other is, you know, it's 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 off the charts. They're the greatest greatest team ever, and they're the Lennon and McCartney of journalism. <laughs> sorry i don't know I don't although the 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 current day version of those guys bender and haberman have a you know they've got a story saying well some people in trump world really concerned about this and some are saying nah, i don't think it's not gonna make a difference yeah it's not gonna make it's not gonna make a big difference but there are some of the people that are shitting their pants there's some people fairly close to donald trump that saw what happened that that was a dramatic game-changing kind of moment in a, in a minute-by-minute way. The, what she laid out and what the committee helped her lay out was really, really, I thought, effective. But think of the fact that here it is the end of June. So January, February, March, April, May, June. So eight, it is just about 18 months since this has happened. And it's taken this long for this to come dribbling out in this way in other words every everybody knew that they, they knew what was going on and they didn't break they they were willing to go to prison they were willing to to lay down and drive over their grandmothers for donald trump still and some still are and that's the the puzzle for all of us looking at this going, you know, what is it going to, by the way, not, not for one second, do I, do I doubt what I saw on, on Tuesday or the fact that, uh, and maybe it's the fact that she was, what she was 24, she's 26 now. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fact that she is young allowed her to more intelligently process what she has seen unfold over the last year and a half and say, is this what I want to have my life hinged on being 
20 feet away from Donald Trump's office, knowing what I know and taking that to my grave and never talking. But she was never going to get indicted. She's not going to be charged. She's not, you know, she's not guilty of anything. She just wasn't in on it in that way, in the, in the planning or the execution. of So, so legally, she has no exposure. And, and maybe the fact that she is that young gave her, I, I, in other words, it takes, I guess, decades to build up the bullshit factor of being a liar, to become Kellyanne Conway. Right. Maybe Kellyanne Conway at 25 might have done what Cassidy did. Maybe. It's possible. But I'm, I'm saying, you know, as, as you get older and you get more cynical and you get more Washington in you and you buy into uh, whatever it takes to maintain power and I'm thrown in with Trump, whatever he does, I'm on his side. And, and she was clearly that way for a while as a, a person who helped with the campaign and, and, and everything else that allowed her to move up really quickly for someone that young. And nobody ever doubted her. And you know what? You still shouldn't doubt her. She is good. Oh, she's very good. Um, and she's very credible. Yeah, That's right. They've um, tried They've tried six ways to Sunday in the past 24 hours to throw any kind of stones they could at her. They haven't touched her. They haven't been able to do anything to her, really. There's nothing to touch. Yeah. There's nothing to touch. Hey, hey, guess what? Again, that, that phone number should be flashing at the bottom of the screen. Call the number if you think what she said doesn't have any basis in, in fact. If you think she was making anything up there. Uh, please, the committee, the country, the world would like to hear your version. Is it too late, do you uh, think, for like, Meadows to, to roll? Because I think Meadows has has gone from these points where it looked like he was going to sing and then no, and then I don't know. And then what do, do you think it's too late for him now? Well, it's not too late because, remember, he did provide the seed money, not money, the seed emails that – really helped the committee out at the beginning and then he got cold feet and stopped cooperating um but again that that famous phone number at the bottom of your screen open 24 hours a day for your calls they take his call in a second but you've got to roll on trump that's what it's going to take you have to decide if you're mark meadows how old is meadows 60 whatever he is I'm just looking at him. Uh, I'm looking at him right now. Born in 1959. So that makes him 63 by my math. 63. All right. So, you know, the actuarial tables say you're definitely probably going to live to at least 85. Maybe, you know. So is is that what you want to do for the next 20 years? Be uh, someone who uh, decided not to do what was best for the country and throw your loyalty into Donald Trump or are you going to be one of these people that is going to talk after Donald Trump is dead? Oh, now it's okay. Don't have to worry. And you know who, who disappeared off the map, who was kind of the original asshole in this area? John Bolton. Yeah. John fucking Bolton, who decided, I'm not going to tell anybody anything. I'm not going to cooperate with the impeachment committees. And then right after the impeachment and the acquittal of Trump in the Senate, here comes his book with all kinds of details that had Bolton testified in front of the impeachment panel might have been the difference. Might have been. So Bolton decided that he would go for the money um, and and did the wrong thing. Is Meadows going to be that guy? Because remember, 
John Gotti was the Teflon Don, right? Remember the original? Until until he wasn't. He wasn't. And and where did John Gotti die? In prison. Yeah, he did. He did die in prison. So uh, you're 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 perfect until you're not. You're you're untouchable until you're not. And so Meadows Meadows has that choice. Cipollone has that choice. Uh, You know. Navarro has that choice. He's made it, obviously. I don't think Navarro is going to now decide to to flip. Doesn't look like that. Um, Giuliani, he's dead meat. Well, Giuliani I want to be very clear about who this man Meadows is. And he, he was presented when he was elected to office in Western North Carolina. He was the Koch brothers' favorite boy. He was never going to be underfinanced or underfunded for a campaign. Yeah. And when right. they redo the district, when they redrew that district, he thought, I, I'm not going to be able to, to win, even though Madison Cawthorn was able to take the seat. And then Mark Meadows looked for, what can I do now? Oh, and then Trump said, come on over. I'll be, he, of his own, of his own volition in 2020, March of 2020, Mark Meadows said, I want to be the chief of state. I'll be the chief of staff for this, the worst president in the history of our republic. So That's what I would like to do with my life. You just named a second Mike Pence. Mike Pence was politically dead, washed up, through, yeah. had popularity ratings, you know, lower, you know, lower than, uh, you know, than, than uh, the rat droppings in the corner of uh, someone's garage, not mine. <laughs> um, and so Trump calls him up he gets the vice presidency so same thing you're saying with meadows that he uh so because i don't remember the the sequence there so he didn't take the chief of staff job while he was um representing that it was his it was his jumping off point it was his jumping off point because he didn't think he was going to be able to be reelected. so then he decides i'm gonna this is what i'm gonna do with my life yeah, well, you know what? Maybe uh, that's a warning that, that, that people like that. Okay. But again, we have to place ourselves back in time a few years. And nothing really changed over the entire uh, tenure of Trump. He had trouble finding <clears throat> the best people. Mm-hmm. So who was going to be chief of staff for Trump at that point of his presidency? He'd, he'd run through rinse. Peribus, uh, John, what's his name? The uh, the military guy. Can't remember his last name. Right? Uh, Mick Mulvaney. And by right. the way, uh, even Mick Mulvaney, who has uh, stayed in the tank, hasn't had much to say since then, really. I heard he came out yesterday after it was over and said, holy fuck, <laughs> Trump is dead. Trump <laughs> is dead. So, you know. This is slowly but surely, and maybe speeding up a slight bit, the uh, process of peeling away, layer by layer, the resistance of you know the the uh, the IQ level and the cognitive dissonance score of people. As it goes down, it's harder to to convince them. So you get people like Mick Mulvaney and. And, and, and folks and the people at the National Review and I mean who are very smart people finally saying that's it we're out we're done 
and they're 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 smart people. So it's going to take a while to get down to the the kind of people that uh, say might uh, be found by a Jordan Klemper on one of his fantastic Daily Show ventures into Trump world, where he interviews uh, the Trumpers. Uh, for which, if there isn't an Emmy behind that shit, I don't know what what the Emmys are for. But you know, in the history of in the history of television, when they first started doing field pieces on that show, they've really kind of elevated. I mean, he's he's as good as anybody that's ever been on that show doing those field pieces. He's really he's really good. He's as good as uh, Samantha B was, or anybody else that you want to name that was out there doing that shit over the years. Oh, uh, let, let me do the uh, let me do the Rudy. This is a great one. This is so good. And, and, you know, how often do you think Rudy drinks every day? You think he gets up? What? When do you think he starts downing scotch or whatever the hell it is that he drinks? I don't it's know. Gonna, mid-morning, I would think. I think he's probably going to have breakfast, get something on his stomach, and then all of a sudden he he dives into it, right? 10 a.m., 11 a.m.? All right, so uh, after it was uh, over, Rudy gets drunk Tuesday night, and then Wednesday – which is today, as we uh, as we record, he puts out uh, this statement. He put this on Twitter, uh, and this is all about you know uh, Rudy asking for a pardon, which there's little doubt that he did, and that's part of the testimony from uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. And here's here's Rudy's tweet: the January sixth witch hunt cabal has now exceeded even its prior fraudulent. Oh, stop. Okay, so we already have a we have a grammar and a, stop. And a, a syntax problem there. God. Okay. The last witness was a reckless liar. Contrary to her false testimony, she was never present when I asked for a pardon. <laughs> okay, so they're not disputing wait, that he did, wait, but she wasn't have- there for it. Wait, wait. And then he he figured out, and I don't know whether this is part of a a, a second tweet. And I'm so glad that uh, Elon Musk hasn't gotten to the point where he owns Twitter and allows you to to delete edit, shit or yeah. edit it. Because right after that, he goes, "Actually, I told the president I did not want or yeah. need one." Oh yeah. Right. Oh, that happened. Oh, there's no but question. Already, but they, contrary to her false testimony, she was never present when I asked for a pardon. That means you admit you yeah. asked for a pardon, you dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> that was another great bombshell that was dropped. And they, nobody's disputing that at all. Like Meadows and he, like, they absolutely were like, can can we get, have the get out of jail free card, please? Can we? And there's already an email. And this was already revealed by the committee earlier that the John Eastman oh yeah had sent a message an email to Giuliani that said I've decided that I should be on the pardon list if that's still in the works but of course there really was no pardon list there was no pardon list that Rudy Giuliani didn't ask to be on mm-hmm. with Donald Trump and Cassidy was not present when Rudy aggressively did not want to be on the list that does not exist right do we have right. that straight have that you right? got it you nailed it and other people who just absolutely didn't want to pardon were matt gates uh scott perry who yeah you know he may be he may be one of the more evil unknown characters in this story he's a republican from pennsylvania and if i remember correctly on the scott perry story he was the one that 
helped grease the skids for Jeffrey Clark to uh, make his way up to almost being attorney general at the uh, the uh, Saturday night massacre moment. Yeah, yeah, he was one who uh, alerted Trump that Clark would raise his hand and he'd do your bidding for you. I believe that's uh, Scott Perry's. Uh, that's exactly there. correct. That is 100% correct. Your recollection is right there. He was he was right in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else? So, who else didn't ask for pardons? Did Jim Jordan not ask for a pardon? Was he one of those? Um, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he aggressively <laughs> doesn't want to pardon. <laughs> and, and, and just re- remember, you always have to remember, what, what does it mean when you're asking for a pardon? It means you have consciousness of guilt. You know, you did something wrong. Of course. That you want to be. Uh, you know, given full immunity from ever being prosecuted for. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Why didn't Trump pardon all these people? Uh, I think I have the answer for you. I think I have the answer for you. You don't get shit from Donald Trump unless you come forward with something for him. It's going to be money. It's going to be a favor. It's going to be something. You don't just get it. You get there's there's something out there that has to be offered to him in order for you to get what you want. So support, uh, moral support, uh, even political support, political cover, uh, yakking all over the place on behalf of Trump, uh, towing the party line about how the election was stolen. That's not good enough when it comes time for the pardons to be handed out. Because I'm thinking, you know, what did General Flynn do for him? And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of uh, Paul Manafort. Uh, Manafort got a pardon. Roger Stone got a yeah, pardon. Yeah, but when there's a deadline on and you're getting toward the time when you're going to be out of office, there starts to be some deadline pressure. And it's like, you're going to have to come forward with some PAC money or something. Because this is my business now. Well, me and my kids fleece people for cash now. Because the, the water, the steaks, the Trump wine, everything else has gone tits up. This is our new business. So if you want this pardon, it's going to cost you. 